Welcome back to A Brief Chat with Jason Crane. This is the 7th of August, Wednesday. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm joined again uh, by my friend Ben Weidman, who is campus pastor of Third Way Collective on the campus of Penn State. It's a peace and justice ministry uh, that is a part of uh, the Mennonite Church here in town. Welcome back, Ben. Thanks, Jason. So yesterday we talked a lot about how... uh, particularly people who look like us and believe the things we do keep space when it's other people who need to lead. But we started this conversation back on Monday, uh, kind of talking about how we, how we live in the world, but not of it. And a topic so broad that we could do a hundred of these episodes. And I don't, right. you know, I don't think yeah. we'd scratch the surface. I want to come back to one of the things I struggle with most and just kind of get your take on it. And I mentioned a little bit on Monday, which is this, this idea that I like, for example, a big part of my life is figuring out how not to work for anyone, like how not to trade my my life for yeah. just enough money to keep trading my life, and in in uh, you know forms of labor that are just enriching other people. Um, you know, I, I don't think what you're doing is an, is an example of that. I think what you're doing is an example of you know right livelihood, as the Buddhists would call it. And I'm trying really hard to to not live the kind of life that I have been living. And yet, I just come up again and again against the brick wall of the fact yeah. that we need money. And, you know, so I've just I've just taken a job for this enormous U.S. corporation doing fairly menial work uh, so that I can get some money to help pay our bills. And it feels to me like a huge step back in this, this life that I'm trying to build. Absolutely. And I just – I really struggle with that. That – that idea of being in the world but not of it, I find that I just have to con- – like I can say anything I want. But you know, like in the awful Godfather 3, it's the just when you think you're out, they pull you back in thing. I feel like I, <laughs> I could espouse whatever philosophy I have on this show. But when the rubber hits the road, I find myself literally punching a time clock yeah. you know, in a, in a warehouse somewhere. And I really struggle with that. I struggle how to be my authentic self when I have to do things that are kind of the antithesis of that. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think the first few episodes of your show, the most heartbreaking thing was hearing you, you know, share that story of the, the last few years of, of that realization of I can't, I can't keep doing this, I've got to go and get a paycheck somewhere. Um, because I think those of us who have this romantic notion that there is something better than capitalism, I think we want to see people like you actually trying it out and being successful and showing us, hey, actually, over here, there is a better way. And so when people try and then come crawling back, it feels like there's some loss or something in that where like the system's too powerful. It starts to feel like taking on militarism or healthcare industry or like just so enormous and out there that um, you feel like it's you and your paper cup at the edge of the sea. Absolutely. I mean, I think even the church that I work for and thank you for for telling me that I do something noble because um, there are days when I'm not always sure about that. You know, they can afford probably half of, of what what my denomination says my salary should be. And so the other half, we have to like try and fundraise. And we try and fundraise from people who have made a ton of money from this capitalist system that we're in. And I, I felt this tension of like, I want to do the actual work of, you know, like we were talking about, standing with students who feel marginalized. Um, how much of my soul do I sell for that opportunity? Can I spend a quarter of my time asking millionaires for money to keep doing this? Can I, should I have to spend a half of my time you know, being able to get that opportunity? And most days I'm like, no, oh, screw that. I want to just spend 100% of my time. And if the money's not there, then I'm done. And then 
I don't know. I feel like, well, except that then this whole thing is done and there is no justice minded campus pastor uh, present on our campus. And so I feel that internally. And there are days when I want to just move back to my parents' farm in Canada, to godless Canada and, you know, live off the socialism there. <laughs> and there are days when I'm like, no, 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 there's a purpose here in, in being that, uh, you know, cog in the gears of this system, shouting at the top of my lungs, even if no one's listening, that there is a better way. Yeah, I don't know. Lots of thoughts. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, that's kind of why I started this show. I, I feel like I started the show at a time of victory and defeat, per- yeah. speaking personally. That um, in one sense, I had spent, you know, the last uh, bulk of the last year kind of trying to make this experiment work. An experiment on which I have not given up. It's just much slower than I had hoped right. it would be, but I haven't given up. And so I had kind of this defeat of, okay, I'm going to have to get a regular job in order to, you know, because there are certainly many decisions I could have made in my life much earlier, but I have kids and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, there's a lot of, once you start factoring in the decisions you made along the way, it puts you in a particular position in terms of what you're responsible for now. Yeah. So since I have those responsibilities and I have to get this paycheck for some amount of time, I at least wanted to be able to talk about these ideas, if nothing else. And I said early on the show, I think, something that really just hit me like a ton of bricks when I saw someone say it online. Uh, A a person from the prison abolition movement said, we say we want to abolish prisons not because it's necessarily the next step, but because if we don't talk about the end goal, if we can't envision the end goal, we can't figure out what the steps are to get to it. Yeah. And I just think that's so important. I think it's important that we talk about what a, a peace and justice-based world, what a world that's you know powered more by love at the at the risk of sounding like Marianne Williamson. Um, what you know, we have to talk about those things because I think if we can't even envision them, well, there's no way we can we can reach for them. We have to show somebody a vision of people of more than what we've got now. Yeah, just to make it something worth striving toward. Well, and I think if we are listening properly as we go along that path towards abolishing prisons or something like that, miraculous things can emerge. And I'm, I'm thinking right now about a friend of mine. He and his partner moved to Detroit to a really impoverished uh, community, um, thinking that they were going to come and breathe some life into this poor neighborhood. They were uh, you know, two white people from some privilege in Southern California. After spending three years there, they started to hear this refrain directed at them of like, we need the white people with all the privilege to go back to their communities and start sharing our stories. And they realized, oh, that's actually directed at us. We are the ones with privilege who thought we were doing the right thing and moving here. And now actually our our process should be to take that message back to where we are from. And so I think I, I love that you're saying it's a learning moment because I think even if we don't get to that sort of <laughs> higher ground, the mountaintop that, that MLK talked about, hopefully we're learning something along the way about best practices, about how to be better allies, about how to walk more holistically for ourselves. And hopefully the systems come out of that, that learning. You know, you and I have spent a fair amount of time standing on, on sidewalks together, holding signs. And one of the signs that always struck me when we first started doing that together was I would see people holding, particularly people of color who we knew, holding signs that said, end white silence. Yeah. Which to me speaks to what you're just talking about, that white people just speaking about things isn't enough, but it sure is a good starting place 
as opposed to what we normally get, which right. is that we don't discuss these things at all, kind of in larger society. In the circles yeah. where you and I run, people talk about this stuff all the time. But if we just, you know, if you just turn on the news or you have a, you know, conversation in the break room at work or whatever, these aren't the kinds of topics that come up. And so I think people like us with whatever amounts of privilege we have, um, and as cis straight white men that, you know, we've hit the lottery, uh, we're just not rich. Um, but I think we do have a real responsibility to speak as loudly as whatever megaphone we can get our hands on right. about this stuff. Right. I think that's true. I think, um, you know, making sure that the words we're using are not, you know, <laughs> just filled with our own privilege and ignorance right. is a huge challenge, too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's terrifying to have that privilege and to to start speaking because you know you're going to put your foot in your mouth at some point. But, but absolutely. I think if we are, if we are given that kind of status um, through nothing we've actually done on our own, I, I think we have to be leaning into the spaces where that power can be used for good. Well, we have, uh, we've come to the end. Uh, thank you so much for being here for these three shows. I really appreciate it. Glad to solve all the world's problems in this. <laughs> I didn't think it would be this easy. And all episode, maybe <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Shut it, it only down. it only took thirty minutes. We figured it all out. Well, shut it down. There, you just solved it right at the end. <laughs> that's right. He did manage to get the solution in right in the final seconds. Uh, that's Ben Weidman. He's a campus pastor for Third Way Collective. Uh, you can find them on all social media at Third Way Co, which is three R D way co you could also just google third way collective and they'll come up uh, it's always a pleasure i really respect you and i appreciate what you do and i'm glad you're here you're welcome i think the thing that this community needs are the voices to continue to speak up and i think your morning show for many years was that dim light in our community and i think this is a great podcast because of that um, keep doing what you're doing. I'm proud to be a dim light. Uh, <laughs> you can find out everything about this show at abriefchat.com. You can support it at patreon.com slash abriefchat. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason D. Crane. I love you. A better world is possible. Please.